Welcome to The Bone Beat, conversations on health policy issues affecting musculoskeletal care and supporting advocacy efforts to advance access and quality. Brought to you by the American Association of Orthopedic Surgeons. Here's your host, Kristen Coltis. Welcome to the show. In this episode of The Bone Beat, we're going to be talking about the orthopedic pack. My co-host today is Meredith Allison, who is the Director of Corporate Political Outreach for the AAOS. And our guest for this episode is Dr. John T. Gill, Chair of the Orthopedic Pack. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you so much, Kristen. Glad to be here. So the Political Action Committee of the American Association of Orthopedic Surgeons, or the Orthopedic PAC, is the only national political action committee in Washington, D.C., dedicated solely to representing orthopedic surgeons before Congress. Dr. Gill, talk to us about what the PAC is and why AOS has one. Well, Christian, thank you uh, for having me on this show. Uh, The PAC, uh, basically what we do is that we help our physician members build relationships with their members of Congress. Because whether we like it or not, things happen in Washington and things happen in our state capitals that affect our ability to practice medicine and take care of our folks. And so somebody is going to influence the things that happen there. And we want to have a seat at the table uh, influencing those decisions to the best benefit of our members and our patients. And we do that by uh, helping uh, elect members of Congress who agree with our positions or support our issues. uh, And we try to help get them elected uh, into their various roles in Congress. And Meredith, I know you and I talked about what that process actually looks like. Uh, it's really important for us to note to our members that the orthopedic PAC is nonpartisan. How does the PAC decide who to support and uh, how does what does that decision process look like? Yeah, so that's a great question, Kristen. We, <clears throat> we are nonpartisan, like you said. We give to Republicans, Democrats, and independents. Um, we, we like to say you can't spell orthopedic without an R, D, or I. Um, and we are, uh, you know, a membership driven organization. You know, we, we listen to our, the members of our PAC. Um, and when PAC members reach out, um, they have the ability to reach out to our staff, request that we support a member of Congress. Um, or a candidate running in their state or district. And, um, and we have a tiered system that we, we look at, um, and giving. So, um, whether that's, you know, a physician candidate or a member of Congress that's on key committees that have, you know, the ability to really dig in and work on orthopedic issues. Um, so when a member, a PAC member reaches out, asks that we support, um, you know, we, we go by our tiered system. We take that request to our orthopedic pack executive committee. Um, they, you know, make the final decision. Um, and so we, we try to make it, um, as physician led a process as possible. Kristen, if, if I could just add to that, another thing we'll do is, uh, especially with a brand new candidate, we will have a questionnaire that, uh, highlights a lot of our issues and we'll ask that candidate to complete it so we can, kind of get an idea on their various positions on our issues. And if it happens to be a a member who is uh, running for re-election, 
then we can look back at their voting record and kind of see how they uh, voted on issues that were important to us to see if they're truly supporting us. And Dr. Gill, that's really important. You talked about that brief. What are some of those areas then that you're looking for as a PAC? Because in previous episodes, you know, we talked to Dr. Gibson about the Council on Advocacy and its unified advocacy agenda. What are some of the specific nuances or positioning that the PAC is looking for in a candidate? Well, as you point out, uh, the uh, the issues are pretty much decided by the Council on Advocacy. So, uh, as uh, as the PAC, we don't create the issues or the uh, talking points, so to speak. That's really the job of the Council on Advocacy, uh, on which I sit. So, so they create the policy. Our job is to open the doors so that we can get in uh, to visit with that member uh, to talk about our issues. Uh, and, you know, see how they uh, feel about voting on it or supporting it or not supporting it. So so our job is to, to open the door to get our members in there to to talk about the issues and whether it's, uh, uh, you know, Medicare funding or uh, macro rules or uh, uh, medical liability reform or physician owned facilities. I mean, there's a myriad of issues that we're talking about. Um, but what we do is to make sure we can get our members in front of the members of Congress to talk about the issues. Speaking of advocacy, Dr. Gill, I know you got your start in leadership with the AOS through that avenue. Walk us through how you first became involved in AOS leadership and then working towards becoming chairman of the PAC in 2015. Well, it's interesting. I, 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 uh, I'm going to go back to the beginning on that because I didn't grow up in, a, in an environment of you know, government and advocacy. I mean, I went to school, I went to training, I went, got a, started working, and I was 10 years into my practice before I ever even thought about Washington or Austin. And then uh, found myself at a meeting down in Austin uh, uh, at one point in my career, medical meeting, and the, and the legislature was in session, and we wandered over to the Capitol to watch a hearing. And we're standing in the back of the room watching a, a, some testimony on a medical issue. And one of the one of the te- people testifying said some derogatory comment about how doctors practice. And I turned to my mentor, an older gentleman, said, that's not true. And he said, well, why don't you why don't you go sign that card and testify in front of these senators and tell them what you just told me? And so, you know, with my heart racing out of my chest and my mouth totally dry, I did that. Uh, and it took me about two minutes to give my testimony. And, and that was, for me, that was a hook because I knew I knew more about medicine than any of those senators did. So, so for me, that was the hook. And then shortly after that, I was able to, uh, get myself on the board of counselors representing, uh, uh, Texas. That was probably back in 2003. And then that's my beginning of my involvement with the PAC, uh, then ultimately became, uh, secretary and then chairman of the, of the BOC. So that's probably, we're t- talking about 2000 seven and eight. And, and that's when I actually had a seat on the, on the board, uh, on the PAC board. And then uh, uh, throughout the years, I finished my BOC uh, uh, appointment. I continued to be on the board uh, because I was chairing the advocacy resource committee. Uh, then that eventually changed. And then uh, in about 2015, uh, I was selected to, to chair the PAC. So I've been chairman since 2015. And in those five years of your uh, leadership, Dr. Gill, uh, you know, this last year was incredible. 
before we get into some of the goals that the OrthoPAC has for 2020, I just want to highlight some of what the PAC's accomplished. Uh, OrthoPAC reached its best off election fundraising year in its 20-year history, having raised $1.9 million. It also had unprecedented access and representation at more than 23 subspecialty and state society meetings and 550 political events in Washington, D.C. OrthoPAC also saw a 40% increase in events attended in congressional districts and a 51% increase in events hosted. Those numbers are really impressive, Dr. Gill. Clearly, your your committee is uh, doing really well in reaching its goals and working with staff like Meredith. Talk to us about uh, what those last five years look like and how you came off of such an incredible year. Well, uh, first of all, it's uh, it's it's easy to have a successful pack when you inherit a successful pack, and so I'm going to you know hats off to Dr. Stuart Stuart Weinstein who who chaired the pack uh, for eight years prior to me taking over and really brought us up to national prominence. So uh, so that made the the start of this thing quite easy. Uh, but then uh, we ran into issues along the way. We started seeing a dip in contributions. Uh, and had to uh, maneuver to figure out how to how to counteract that. We found that uh, that uh, phone phone calls were not becoming effective anymore for fundraising. We had to pivot and do something different on that uh, with some new creative ideas. And uh, that's where the, uh, the whole advisor circle came into being uh, during those years. And we started seeing our revenues going up. And then, as you pointed out, we had our, our best two year cycle ever. Uh, in the last election cycle, uh, hitting $4 million and, and, and being the, the most active medical PAC uh, in Washington, D.C. Uh, so we have some lofty goals going forward. We want to try to maintain that momentum that we've had um, and, uh, and keep our, our members uh, you know, at the table, so to speak. Meredith, uh, I know before we got into this uh, interview, you and I were talking about some of OrthoPAC's goals for 2020. Now, obviously, COVID has changed a lot of planning for AOS and the larger healthcare community. Can you tell us what some of your goals were going into this year? Obviously, it's an election year. Uh, Every election year is a really big uh, deal for the PAC. But what were some of the goals at the outset of 2020 and how might they have changed? Yeah. So, um, as you said, we do measure, um, success and, you know, measure our goals by election years. Um, so that's two year cycles. Um, and we had our best off election year in 2019, like you said. So we're currently in year two of our, you know, to hit our goal. Our goal for this cycle is well over $4 million. Um, we were well on our way in 2019 and obviously, um, you know, have hit a little bit of a snag with, um, missed opportunities with COVID, um, you know, practicing social distancing. We were not able to have our annual meeting. Um, but we're hitting the ground running, hoping to really, um, bring momentum from 2019 into 2020. And, you know, like you said, it is an election year and it is important that, that we really hit our goals and, you know, fund our war chest so that we're able to help 
um, help our friends and help our physicians running for office, help these candidates and members of Congress that are willing to fight for the House of Orthopedics and, and help them get elected to Congress. And, you know, that's what we're here for is to, um, to help those and, um, to really build relationships. Um, you know, it's about having a seat at the table. So that's our goal for 2020. And, and we're, we're working on it. We're well on our way. And Kristen, if I can just add on that, um, where, where it's created somewhat of a challenge uh, to us in our fundraising, uh, you know, we're going to pivot and we're going to come up with new ways, uh, like Zoom meetings, for instance. I'd never heard of Zoom before, and now I'm getting pretty good at it. Uh, the other th- point is that, um, you know, there is a silver lining here because every candidate that I talk to, they are struggling mightily because they can't do their fundraising and they can't do their events that they'd like to be doing. So when we are able to contribute to their campaigns, it's going to be very meaningful, especially this year, because every dollar is so precious uh, to those candidates. So for the same investment, we're bringing, we're going to get a whole lot of love and uh, for what we do in this election cycle. That's a great point. Uh, th- I know um, that the orthopedic pack has actually endorsed three candidates thus far that are running for Congress. Uh, we've got Dr. Manny Sethi, who's running for Tennessee's open U.S. Senate seat. Dr. Al Gross running as an independent for the U.S. Senate in Alaska. And third, we have Dr. Newt Bueller running in Oregon's second congressional district. Meredith, can you provide an update on those three races and how those candidates are looking for uh, the primary and forthcoming election? Yeah, so we're very excited to have three orthopedic surgeons running for federal office this this cycle. Um, this is unprecedented in our history, um, and we're hoping that all three will make it to, to Congress and join our lone ortho in the Senate, Dr. John Barrasso. Um, Dr. Newt Bueller is running in Oregon, too. This is an open seat, um, Greg Walden's open seat. Um, and his primary is actually coming up next week. Um, so we're very excited um, to see what happens with that. We have a really good feeling about it. Um, and, you know, I'm really thinking that he's going to be our first orthopedic or our only orthopedic surgeon in the house. We have two orthos running for Senate, Manny Sethi in Tennessee. He's running in an open seat in Algros, um, running as an independent. Um, and we are watching those races closely and are excited to see what happens. They're both running as the underdog, um, but, you know, they both are able to win these seats. These are both winnable seats. So, you know, they have our support and we're excited. I just want to note one thing. By the time this episode airs on May 26th, we will we will have been past that primary, as Meredith noted, on May 19th. But obviously, we're very excited and eager to see how it turns out. Dr. Gill, if I could ask you to tell us a little bit more about these candidates from your perspective and why it's important to have more representation in Congress. Well, it's always important to have representation in Congress, and especially when we can have one of our own orthopedic surgeons uh, uh, in in Congress. Uh, we've been fortunate over the years uh, to have uh, someone in both chambers until recently, and so now we just have Senator Barrasso. Uh, 
I actually hosted a, uh, a, uh, a Zoom meet and greet last night for, uh, for Dr. Bueller. Uh, he's a very strong candidate because, as, as I said, he's not just uh, an angry doctor who woke up one morning and said, I'm going to run for Congress, which we, we do sometimes have. Uh, this is a guy with great deal of experience. He's held held office in the state legislature. He's been uh, reelected uh, uh, for, to that office. He knows how to be a candidate. He knows how to campaign. He knows how to win. Uh, so he's a very strong candidate. Uh, and then uh, Manny is extremely well known in, in Tennessee uh, with his uh, clinics and activities, although he's not held office before. Uh, he's been very active in the community, and he's been running a, a tremendous campaign. Uh, he's, he's a very open, likable guy that uh, just, you know, you, you feel like you're his best, his best friend the first time you meet him. And, uh, again, he's facing the same challenges all the candidates are in, in fundraising. And then Dr. Gross, is uh, he, he's taking on a real challenge because he's going up against an incumbent uh, who uh, that's always the hardest uh, road to hoe, and he's also – uh, been very active in his state and in, in various levels of uh, local government, local activities. Um, and, uh, you know, hopefully, you know, he can be successful as well. So um, we, we've got, you know, you know, three in the hopper here and hopefully we can get, get at least one or two of them across the finish line. I want to go back to something that you both touched on. You talked about hosting fundraisers, attending events, both in the district and in D.C., we said that a lot of those traditional activities of the orthopedic pack may have changed this year. Uh, this question's for you, Meredith. Can you expand more on some of those programs that we traditionally run as an orthopedic pack and, and how we're continuing those in the year 2020? Yeah. So, I mean, despite the fact that, you know, we are all social distancing right now, you know, we haven't stopped um, participating in political activities. As Dr. Gill mentioned, um, Zoom has become a very popular uh, platform for many of these meetings. Um, you know, we're able to, we're still able to get in front of members of Congress, um, chat with them about our issues, um, you know, and, and do so in a way that, you know, you do get good FaceTime. And so, you know, we are full steam ahead. Um, we're still fundraising and we're still, you know, dispersing dollars to, um, to candidates and members um, who need it and, and who support our issues. And Dr. Gill, being able to do that as a PAC and to support candidates, both those that we formally endorsed and those that we want to support financially, a huge piece of that and being able to support them is in fundraising amongst our membership. Can you talk more about some of the ways that we engage members, whether it's through resident involvement or state challenges, even the advisors circle? I think it's important for our listeners who may not be as familiar with the pack or may be familiar as uh, just a member. What are some of the programmatic opportunities they have as members of the AAOS? Well, in this <clears throat> unusual year, because, uh, you know, we, we do have, uh, when we have face-to-face -face meetings like our, our leader, national orthopedic leadership conference or annual meeting or fall meeting, we're all face-to-face -face and, and we can interact uh, a lot easier with our members and, and fundraise those ways. So we've had, again, pivot, be a little bit more creative. Uh, 
um, and outreach, both both in uh, in you know emails and, and letters and the mail. Um, I suspect we're going to be having some more Zoom uh, virtual meetings as we go forward, where we have fundraising opportunities. And what I like to remind our our, our members is that you know everybody needs to be engaged because. Regardless, uh, you know, if we get something passed or if we get something blocked, and we don't talk about that a whole lot, but a lot of what we do is defense and blocking things. Uh, but when we do that, all orthopedic surgeons and usually all of medicine benefits. And so, you know, we encourage that we said everybody needs to be in this game together at any level. It doesn't matter, you know, if you're big dollars or small dollars, we want your engagement. And I remind people that we're kind of like your mutual fund, you know. Uh, you don't want to go out and analyze every candidate, every issue, but invest with us. We're going to go out and do the groundwork for you, and then we'll support the people that, that fit those issues. And so you just need to be a participant. Uh, so we'll continue to reach out in, in every way we can, and every new technology that comes along, we'll, we'll take a look at it and, and see where we, can, where we can utilize that to, to help our mission here. And Kristen, you mentioned the advisor circle. Our, advi- our orthopedic pack advisor circle is a way for these group practices and specialty societies to expand their role in our pack. Um, they are able to maximize political and legislative opportunities, and it really has helped us grow our political footprint. We are 25 groups strong, and through the advisor circle represent thousands of orthopedic surgeons. So we're excited to see this program grow. To close this episode, I really want to go back to Dr. Gill with this one. The PAC has accomplished so much in your five years as chair. We highlighted some of the successes in 2019, which our members can find in the Orthopedic PAC annual report. We've talked about some of our goals for 2020, but Dr. Gill, in your opinion, what is something that you are most proud of in your leadership and something you want to leave our listeners with who might be considering getting involved in the PAC? Well, the thing I talk about most of all when I'm talking about advocacy in the PAC is personal relationships. And the key to success in all of these endeavors, not only this politics, but in life is, is personal relationships. And by that, I mean, orthopedic surgeons need to know who their member of Congress is. You need to get to know them and you need to make sure that that member of Congress knows who you are, because when you have that personal relationship, then you can become a real effective advocate for our profession. I think probably my number one goal in all of this tenure is to not grow the dollars and and the size of the pack, but mostly to grow the percentage of membership. Uh, When we have um, a higher percentage of our AOS fellows who are participating in a pack, that is seen on Capitol Hill as strength. And they know that we're United. So, so my number one mission going forward is to increase our percentage of memberships and our fellowship. Um, in order to do that, we have to give them some value for the product. And so we need to be successful in uh, working on legislation, defeating legislation, getting candidates elected, and then helping uh, identify issues important to our members and seeing that those issues are dealt with in legislation and in regulation in Washington, D.C. And with that, Meredith, where can members go to get more information and to connect with you directly as our PAC team? 
So we have a team of three working in Washington, D.C. Myself, along with Brittany Starr, our senior director, and Fred Esses, our PAC manager. And folks can email um, any of us. Um, PAC at AAOS.org is the email address. And they can go online to learn more at AAOS.org slash PAC. Well, I appreciate both of your time today and joining me to talk about the orthopedic pack. We are a pack that AOS is extremely proud of and has been very successful in the healthcare community. We have an exciting year ahead and really look forward to bringing you both back as we cover the upcoming election and more. But for now, I just want to say thank you and we look forward to talking to you in a future episode. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Bone Beat from the American Association of Orthopedic Surgeons. For more information on this topic and other AAOS efforts to shape the future of musculoskeletal care, please visit aaos.org advocacy.